This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Good morning, everyone. This is the second uh, session of the shaking, and uh, we will focus specifically its impact of the 2010 General Conference. How many of you went to the General Conference? Quite a few, quite a few. Did you enjoy it? It was quite inspiration. But uh, the inspiration of this series on the shaking, and uh, I got from what I heard among the attendees, of the general conference, where some thought that the major shaking had begun, and others thought that it had not yet begun, and some were confused about it and worried about it. And what I'm sharing now is the result of uh, a study that I began after I returned home. <coughs> and uh, it has helped me very much uh, because uh, the less knowledge we have about the truth, the more vulnerable we are to all kinds of false doctrines and teachings. And so remember, Jesus says, the truth shall make you free, and the truth will give you peace. And uh, again, at this session, we would not like to begin without asking the Lord what is Holy Spirit? Precious Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to us. Anoint us with a spirit that gives us understanding in the important things in life. And at this time, when we reflect upon the events during 2010, may we clearly see your hand in the events and may we find that your messages and your counsels are very liberating. That uh, it gives us a better perspective of the truth and where we are in the history of prophetic time. And bless each one of us. And may your spirit talk to each one of us. Speak through my words and may we choose the right illustrations. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> what is the shaking anyway? Again, we go first to the Bible. And what we will do now is not as extensive as in the past, but let us now summarize what are some of the important elements there that we discovered during our first presentation. <clears throat> the shaking is scripture. The review of the biblical evidence in our first lecture, we discovered that in regard to the shaking, it is the Lord that is in control of the shaking. Isn't it good news? Now, of course, we can contribute to it or not. And the less you know, the more you can comp contribute to the confusion. The shaking in God's almighty providence, 
reveals the true remnant. And so that is marvelous. And the Lord uses shaking to revive his people. Isn't it good news? And uh, this is really, now you may get upset or whatever, but if you understand fully the implications of all those teachings that we have done in the first lecture and whatever, you don't need to get confused. The shaking is associated with judgment on the persecutors of God's people. So in other words, the outward forces that try to suppress, ridicule, uh, expose God's people no matter what, uh, the Lord will take care of those people. And God shakes out the oppressors of his people in the church. So any kind of difficult personalities that try to, try to eliminate the plans that the Lord has for your life, the Lord will take care of those. Sometimes you may have to lose your job. Don't worry about it. The Lord has a better job for you. See? And sometimes you say, you know, but be careful what you say. Because. So what? Because. You talk to the Lord, and if the truth is being proclaimed, it should always be in kindness and love, but not suppressed. You see? We are called to witness, and the Lord takes care of the results. I've been in evangelistic meetings where we had hundreds of baptisms, and we have at a meeting where we had only a few. Praise the Lord. You see? And so, therefore, there is for God's people, you never talk about discouragement, never about disappointment, never about failure, because every experience teaches you more about how to work for others, about God's love and care. You know, that is so marvelous. And so that is what the Lord does. So in other words, it is a good message of God's love and mercy. So the observation is the enemies persecute and oppress God's people. And it shows you also what is going on in God's people, among God's people. Now, this morning we discovered the following insights of the spirit of prophecy's insight. The shaking is future, and uh, as a result of some of the questions, you know, that uh, I heard um, in the break, uh, you know, is it future? Has it already begun? Keep in mind here very clearly the review of the shaking time. It's in the future. The shaking testing time will come to everyone in regard to what? In regard to the mark of the beast. That is the final one that will really affect the church in great measures. Because the final test is a matter of life and death. Today, it is not a matter of life and death, you know, to be an Adventist, unless you are in certain Muslim countries. But not here. And it has to do with the Sunday issue. The Sunday and the Sabbath. It will purify God's church and his people. So that's a good thing. The next one is it divides the church in, in two parties. Now, that is not a good thing. You hate to see this. You hate to see these things. But if we give everything to the Lord, the Lord will take care of those things. You know, we like to be in control of it, but 
frequently whatever goes on in our schools and universities, I have no control over it. And I'm not writing a book about the good or the bad things there. No. The Lord takes care of it. But I have to have my witness there. And if I don't have a good witness, the Lord may liberate me and put me somewhere else. You know? There is never anything unusual. And so therefore, in order to get this boldness, we need to be acquainted with the Lord and what he does. You know, I mean, that is, that is very important, friends. You, you study the Reformations under Moses and uh, under David, under Josiah, Hezekiah, Nehemiah, tremendous man of God. And yet, you know, there was a tremendous conflict. And some died in, their, in this. It brings the latter rain and the loud cry of Revelation 18.1. So are we not looking for that time when the righteousness of Christ will be fully revealed everywhere? That is the good thing. At the same time, there is a shaking now. And keep in mind, the shaking in the future has to do with the final ultimate conflict about the law of God and the law of human beings. It will be a struggle that will be manifested by the Ten Commandments and human beings, the laws of human beings, Sabbath and Sunday. I mean, that is the final thing, the final thing. And uh, however, that is not the only shaking. The shaking began in 1850, was affirmed in the 1860s, re-emphasized in the 1880s, and the early 1900s. Now, the early shaking, and some people asking, you know, yes, but was this not, did Ellen White not say there was a, the mighty shaking at command? Yes, that was a shaking among all the Advent people. There were not, it was not a shaking among the Seventh-day Adventist people. The Millerite movement with these thousands and tens of thousands of people, after the disappointment, were mightily shaken. And five years later, only 100 people remained true. To the prophetic midnight cry. And the sees its vision of the, of the path high above the world. You remember, some of you. And God's people are walking on it. And they are being propelled in the back by the midnight cry, which was the prophetic message of 1844. And at the same time, they had to look to Jesus. It was ahead. And as they followed the prophetic light and looked at Jesus, they arrived at the holy city. Now keep that in mind. Frequently he said, oh yeah, all the prophetic messages, you know, and Daniel Revelation is something for the pastor. Who gave those messages? What is the book of Revelation? Of Jesus Christ. So if we love Jesus, should we not be intimately interested in what he has revealed? And it were those people in 1844 who remained stubbornly to the prophetic message of 1844 and Daniel 8.14. Those who remained truth to that message saw the glory in the heavenly sanctuary. You see, so it is the prophetic messages give us the clear firm understanding of what Jesus is doing for us today. And then when we go out to the world, we bring people out of the confusion and darkness of the world into the very presence of the powerhouse in the heavenly sanctuary. And if people are connected to that powerhouse, there are streams of light 
that will lighten their careers until the end of time. And so, friends, what we are doing is so precious. So precious. But what happened among the, the rest of the Millerites, the Adventists? They gave up. And what happened now? The Church of God, seven day. A couple of thousand members here. Church of God, seven day. A couple of thousand people there. You know? No. It is by following the counsels of the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy that you get the great light that the Lord will cause us to walk until the end of time. And friends, that was the mighty shaking. Now, a similar shaking. Now, some people say, yeah, the mighty shaking is already here. That was the mighty shaking that completely scattered the unity of the Advent people in 1844. Another one will come at the end of time. That is what he talks about the future. However, in the meantime, the special truth that the Lord has revealed that brought crisis situations, limited crisis situations, conflicts here and there. And I will especially uh, speak about this um, at 2 o'clock, you know, about those and those famous personalities. And, you know, the nobodies, they're gone, gone. And so you don't want to be with it. And so here now we are focusing what did happen in this year about this. So let us just go on here. There is a very interesting shaking vision in uh, 1857. That is in First Testimonies, page 149 to 184, and also early writings 269 to 273. Very interesting. It shows you now it takes away the curtain from the invisible world. It's a view of the mighty power struggle between the heavenly angels and the evil angels for the souls of God's people, for the souls of each one of you here. There's a struggle. Do you know there's a struggle going on? A very powerful struggle. And, uh, and so it shows you that vision, the experience of the agonizing, pleading members. What do they do? In Joel 2. You look at Joel 2. And what do we see there? Joel 2, verse 15 through 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call on the sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather even the children, the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister in the Lord to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And what did he say? Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? See, that is a unique experience. And in James, you see the same thing. Cry and agonize, agonize. Yes, the experience of diff indifferent and careless members will be revealed, but also in Revelation 3, verse 15 to 17. What do they see there? Oh, yes, Lord, we are rich. Need of nothing. We can see. But what do you are? You're blind and naked. Very sad. And so this is a message to God's people, and it revealed the nakedness 
of God's own people. And so that is then one thing, the agonizing people. And you know, in my last lecture, I will focus on the agonizing because very few people are really agonizing. And that is what needs to be done. And simply because we don't understand it, we have no knowledge of those things. So here are the two groups of people, the agonizing, pleading member with God, and at the same time, the indifferent ones. Laodicean, lukewarm, neutral. But in Christ, there is no neutrality, is there? Either for or against. And so, the ones that seem to be in neutral seem to be indifferent. And any kind of talk like this, they may see as fanaticism. Resident, you know. Don't stir up the people. Ah, you want me, to, you want to continue to sleep? Yeah, because that is, if you don't stir up God's people, they continue to sleep. And when the new preacher comes, then they tell the conference what they want in the preacher. And they will, in many cases, especially the bigger churches, they will get the person that they want, not the people that they need. And if they would get the people that they need, that his tenure would be very short. <laughs> cause of the shaking. What is the cause of the shaking? The vision continues in early writings, page 270. The shaking would be caused by what? The straight testimony called forth by the council of the true witness to the Laodiceans. Keep in mind, the straight testimony. Another word of straight testimony is straightforward, unadulterated. This will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will lead him to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Instead of eliminating the standards, it will exalt the standards. Now what is the desire of the Holy Spirit? That we exalt it or put it down? Exaltation. Some will not bear this straight testimony. They will rise up against it. And this is what caused the shaking of God's people. Think about it. Keep it in mind. A straight testimony and the reaction. Some will not like it and raise up. And that's what we're going to analyze today here. They bear not the straight testimony. They will rise up against it. And this causes the shaking among God's people. So the observation then, it is caused by a reaction to the straight testimony. And let us now ask the question, why? Because Ellen White talks about shaking now, 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 and future. Why then, at certain eras, certain episodes, certain years, is there a shaking? She speaks about the shaking. Why? Why are so many shakings? And this is not the final shaking. Those are the ones in between. How is the testimony of Revelation 3 received? Again, early writings, 270. I saw that the testimony of the true witness has not been half heeded. The solemn testimony upon which the destiny of the church hangs has been what? Lightly esteemed, if not entirely disregarded. This testimony would work deep repentance 
And all who truly receive it will obey it and be purified. Now let's look here. This was about 13, 14 years after the great disappointment. The prophet was present. And amidst this majestic demonstration of God's power, amidst the visions, well then, it was nearly entirely disregarded. Now, if that is in that time, what about today? Are we, you know, eagerly wrestling with those things and reading that day by day? What do we do? Friends, observation, testimony, the testimony results in disunity. Disunity. Because not everyone will receive it and obey it. Acceptance leads to repentance and obedience. Disregard leads to a shaking. So in other words, some will have a deeper experience with the Lord, a unique experience. They rejoice in it, while other ones go the different directions. And that is tragic. I've seen it. If I compare when I graduated in the 60s from the seminary, and I go now and look at over the faces and where they are. Many are not with us. Tragic. Because you think you go to the seminary and you get more and more knowledge and you get deeper and deeper in the truth. Unfortunately, that's not always true. The cause of the shaking. Now, this is about uh, 30 years later, uh, 40 years later, in the 1890s. That is Christ Triumphant, page 363. There is to be a shaking among God's people. It will be the result of refusing the truth presented. Think about it. The result of refusing the truth presented. The history of rebellion of Dayton and Abiram is being repeated and will be repeated till the close of time. Now you remember what that was. Dayton and Abiram. And the earth shook and opened it and they swallowed them up. This rebellion without the earth opening up happened in our church. From time to time to time you have the rebellious uprisings. And nowadays, I mean, uh, I don't need to give you any information, but you look at the web pages. It's very easy. And nothing can be hidden anymore. <laughs> you know, it goes all over the world. And it affects other divisions in our church. And that you find in last day events, page 173. So the observation is then it caused by a rebellion against the truth, the straight testimony. Cause of the shaking, again in the 1890s. And this is Testimonies to Ministers, page 112. God's Spirit has illuminated every page of Holy Writ, but there are those upon whom it makes little impression because it is imperfectly understood. When the shaking comes by the introduction of false theories, these surface readers anchored nowhere 
are like sifting sands. They slide to any position to suit the tenor of their feelings of bitterness. Isn't it tragic? But again, it is because of the false teaching that they're being introduced. And who are affected by the false teachings? The, what does it say? The surface readers. Seventh-day Adventist 101. You know, quickly, get it. You know, I have only, oh, you know, only a little bit of time. Friends, how can you have an Adventist 101? You will be steeped in the introduction of false theories. Yes, swifting sense. What we do instead of Bible readers, you know, what we have is we go to that pastor or to that evangelist or to that tele-evangelist, to that theologian, you know, whatever. When I want to have it, I want to read my Bible. I don't even want to have any comments. I want to read this, pray to the Lord, and ask us without any human input what the Holy Spirit has to say to me. And then I underline it. Now, you may have your Bible. You pray, you lay the same testimony as text. And you may read something else in it and underline it. Fine. The Holy Spirit impress your mind into that portion of the text. And there you have your message for the day. That's what Elamite says. Study the Bible. Read not quickly. You know, I have to pass, finish the Bible in one year. You read this passage, pray about it, and ask the Holy Spirit to impress you. That's it. So I don't need to have any marginal things. I read it. Now, sometimes I, I have a difficulty. Then I look at the commentary or the spirit of prophecy, you know, whatever. First I go to the spirit of prophecy. And if this, that source came in to help me, I may look at it in the commentary. But first I go to the scriptures. Now, sometimes I discover in a commentary exactly what I discovered. So what? I can praise the Lord because I discovered it. I didn't have to depend on such and such commentary. Friends, that is the key. The Lord wants us to have a fresh experience every day. And you only get it. Not through everybody else. It's through this. And friends, that is a cause of the shaking. We are superficial readers. We depend on commentaries, no matter how bad they, good they are. Ellen Wright even says, don't go to first to her. Go first to the Bible. And so the observation, it's caused by the introduction of false theories that affects the surface reader of the scripture. Then, cause of the shaking, a summary. It is caused by a reaction to the straight testimony. The testimony results in disunity. The acceptance leads to repentance and obedience. Disregard leads to obedience and conflict. It's caused by rebellion against the truth. It's caused by the introduction of false theories that affects the surface reader of the scriptures, which fits the tenor of their feelings of bitterness. And so with this background, I think we are able to look at the general conference 
in 2010 and see what happens. And uh, here the impact of the 2010 General Conference. What took place at this conference? Election of new leadership by a very small margin. No, by a very large margin. In fact, some of the critics said, you know, officially we should have a whole discussion about it. I mean, if you have a margin of 90% plus, what is there to discuss? <laughs> Think about it. What is the message of the new leadership? And let us now go to the analysis of President Ted N.C. Wilson's sermon, go forward, on Sabbath, July 3, 2010. Go forward, not backward. Call to respond in the spirit of Christ's culture. See, we talk so much about our culture do this, and our culture do that, and we can do this, this in our culture, and you have nothing to say about our culture. No. In the Bible, you have one overarching culture. That is Christ's culture. Oh, yeah, but, you know, uh, this is influenced by this, and this is subjective, and this is... Elamai says, clearly, this is the unadulterated truth. The Holy Spirit spoke through man exactly how we wanted. Of course, the man had their own personalities. But exactly what the Lord wanted was there. And he is not an author of confusion or falsehood. But we are so much influenced by the buts, buts, buts of everybody else. Friends, accept the word as it reads, Elamai says, and no one will ever be lost. And your criticism, if you have any question, if you can't solve it in this life, during the thousand years, you have thousand years to ask all the questions. So, can we be patient? Can we be patient? Do we know that the result of the three angels' messages, here is the patience of the saints. And yet we are not patient, and we, we continue to sit time, and, and, and now is the time for the investigative judgment, or the, the judgment on the living, and all kinds of things. The Lord has not revealed those things. Look rather to the fields that need to be harvested instead of creating all kinds of controversy in your own church. So the first statement here was very significant. Focus on the message of the messenger. That is what the president said. So let us therefore focus on the messenger and not applause like he is an, a performer. Sunday morning, look at all the performers in the churches. And it has affected our church too. Yeah. Many churches, you know. No. Affirm with an amen. If you want to be biblical, if you want to be worldly, use applause. Signs of the coming in an uncertain world. Our absolute confidence is in the word of God as the foundation of our beliefs, identity, and mission. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is the remnant of Revelation 12, 17. Its mission is the proclamation of Revelation 14, verse 6, 12. And the Sabbath is the sign of the remnant. Now, is there any criticism of this? 
No, we should be saved, praise the Lord, and accept this message. No problem. But what I'm now going to show you, friends, is 93% of the sermon, and then I will show you 7% that makes headlines all over the Internet. But let us now first get things not out of perspective. You know, we have to look at what the message is. So this now, what follows, is 90% of the message. 93%. The Sabbath is revealed in each of the three angels' messages. Revelation, first angel's message, talks about the creator. Second angel's message is the opponent against the Sabbath, which is Babylon. And the third lesson, and the third one is dealing with the mark of the beast. So salvation through the grace of Christ, unity of what Christ does for us, we call this justification, and in us, sanctification. There's a unity. In our church, some have stressed the one, and the other one, notice the unity. And our president wants to say, we have to be united on those things. The unity of Christ's atoning blood at the cross and his atoning ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. Both of them are important. Our only hope, ground of hope, is in Christ's righteousness that is imputed to us justification, and that is imparted to us through the Holy Spirit's sanctification. So that is clearly salvation, not by works, through Christ. Through faith in Christ, works are simply the result of our love relationship. So, spirit of prophecy is a mark of the remnant. It should be put under the table. Revelation 7, 12, verse 17 is explained in Revelation 19, 10. Testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. The writings of the spirit of prophecy, one of the Lord's greatest gifts possible. That testimony is not outdated or relevant. We have many people that say, oh yeah, excellent testimony for the 19th century. No, it continues to be relevant. And even if something is local 19th century, the principles continue. They are an inspired insight about scripture, prophecy, health education, relationships, mission, families, etc. And was it not for me following this counsel in relationships, I would never have found the woman of my life, the best for me. Not for anybody else, for me. Read them, follow them, share them. Let us never make light of this light of non-effect. So that is very, very important. Live the remnant lifestyle. I don't think there's any problem with those things, have you? No problem. Lifestyle remnant. Live a life of humility, self-denial, and simplicity. Remember that we are a unique, heaven-initiated movement with an evangelistic mission. Pray for revival and reformation. And that is what we have to do. You know, the headquarters have said it, and every church should do it. Not simply, okay, that was a nice sermon, and never talk anymore about this revival and reformation. Every institution in our church should implement this. But not everyone does. 
You've heard the sermon and we go on. No, implement those things. And you know, if you want to implement it, what does it show you? That some things need to be changed. So in other words, what you presently do is not all good. You need to change, to reform. And that takes us out of our comfort zone. But if you want to go to the higher level with Jesus, Lord, take me out of the comfort zone so that I'm closer to you. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. First selected messages, one, two, one. Is that still a need, or is it only in the 19th century, 18th century? Still is, friends. In fact, I think it is even more needed. Pray for the latter rain and the output of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to do. But at the same time, be reform-minded. Because anybody who doesn't participate in the reform, in the personal reform, will not be partakers of the latter rain. Keep that in mind, friends. Have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 5. When his character is reproduced in his people, he comes. Now, if you really look at this, and I've studied this extensively, why? You say, how am I going to do this? How can we do this? Friends, only the Lord knows. He can change me to be more like Jesus. And friends, if we have this, what a difference would it make in our churches? Go forward. Lesson from Israel's exodus out of Egypt. Israel saw many obstacles and wanted to go back to the flesh pots in Egypt. Backwards. Why? They forgot God's leadings. Friends, we need to understand what happened in our history. The pioneer experience is very important. Because there you will see people, men and women who fought for the truth, sacrificed for the truth, and then we see that what we do is hardly anything in comparison to those pioneers. Back to the pioneers and the spiritual pioneers. Seven, the Adventists should never forget how God has led the Advent movement and how he will lead it to victory. There is no failure with our movement. The voice of God speaks clearly. Go forward to the promised land. Do not listen to the devil who wants you to take a step backward to Egypt. Go forward. But every step forward is frequently strewn with uh, obstacles. But you are not alone. The majority of heaven is with you. Only one-third of the angels fell. Two-thirds is with you. Is that sound tremendous? We have a legion of victory. And then the Holy Spirit. And when we call upon the Holy Spirit, nothing, nothing, nothing can stop you. You believe that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Call forward, not backward. However, note these items listed during the most talked about seven minutes of this now infamous inaugural sermon. That was, I found this on the web. They saw this and this is the most infamous sermon. Was it? They didn't even talk about all those things, the 90%. This is what they talked about. You see, this was now the application. 90% of the sermon 
was dealing with the broad principles in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. But now, how to apply it? And there is where the rubber meets the road. So what happens now? Worship and evangelistic methods. Whatever we adapt in our church, adopt in our church, test everything by the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Is that the problem? What does it say in the Bible? To the law and to the testimony. If there is not so, there's no light in them. It doesn't say, okay, there is a, a few light, you see. No. A little light, a flickering. No, we have no time at this time of the world to spend with flickering lights. We need to have the full blazing lights. Don't reach out to non-Adventist movements that promise spiritual success based on faulty theology. Avoid non-biblical spiritual disciplines rooted in mysticism, so it's just contemplative prayer, centering prayer, and the emerging church movement. Look within the Seventh-day Adventist Church for methods based on biblical principles and the great controversy theme. You know, when I, many years ago when I was in the seminary, and, you know, what we did is we went through gospel workers and, and, uh, and evangel book of evangelism, step by step by step. When I was in full-time evangelism in the mission field in Korea and in Thailand, that's what we did. It's very important. And friends, if you do this, you have nothing to fear. It may not be as many others do, or mega churches do. I don't care. We look for quality, not for quantity and numbers. And if you look for quality and follow the Lord's principles, the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon you. You believe that? So, friends, it's all success and no disappointment. Christ centered biblical based worship and music practice in church services. Don't use confusing pagan settings where music and worship become so focused on emotion and experience and not on God's word. Yeah. Worship focus, lift up Christ, put down self. Worship methods should have simple, sweet reflection of a Christ-centered biblical approach and reflecting on the holiness of God's presence in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will guide you what to do. You believe that? You know, I mean, the same with Sabbath observance. How many different practices do we have in our church? One do this, one do this, this. It doesn't say remember the Sabbath day. It says remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, if you want to know what holiness is, you study the Bible. And hundreds of references there. I'm presently doing those things. Then the Spirit of Prophecy, thousands of references. Now, if you really want to be interested in Sabbath holiness, that's what you have to study. But we don't have time. We don't have time. Don't have time. What do you do on Sabbath afternoon? If you don't get out witnessing, you go to home and study this. You may like to study it in small groups. You know. Stand for the truth, though the heavens fall. Don't accept any new theology that undermines the landmarks of our faith. Consider how the biblical foundation of our faith was laid at the beginning of our work by prayerful study of the Bible and by revelation. We have nothing to fear the future unless we forget how God has led us in the past 
and his teachings through his spirit. So it is not simply marvelous providences, but the teachings that were developed at the time. Every phase of heresy has been brought into our clouds our mind regarding the word of God, especially the sanctuary and the three angels' messages. But the way marks are to be preserved in harmony with the word and the spirit of prophecy. You agree with that? This is it. And so in spite of the heresies that have come in, you follow the counsels. Stand firm on a literal reading and understanding of the word of God. Don't misinterpret Genesis 1 to 11 or other chapters as allegorical or merely symbolic. Creation story teaches six literal, consecutive, contiguous, 24-hour days, not theistic revolution. Now, it's interesting that our president has to expel this out because we have simply, in our fundamental beliefs, six days. But human minds are very creative. And people can accept this statement and still believe in theistic revolution. How they can do it, I, it's mind-boggling to me. But therefore, we are now working on an update of the fundamental beliefs. And we have to phrase it like this, so that there is no loophole. Is it tragic that we become a kind of a, a lawyer mentality? You know? Can you imagine that everything that we believe, if we had to make a fundamental belief, we could have hundreds of fundamental beliefs. The little horn, the papacy, we haven't in the fundamental beliefs. So do you think you can believe anything you want? No. So do we have to vote everything that we ever believed? There's nonsense, you know. You see that we, our brethren thought it is nice that we have 28 fundamental beliefs. And I've been involved in that kind of thing. But now you get people, yeah, but you know, does it really say that? It doesn't say the opposite. Do you have to develop fundamental beliefs that said the affirmative and then not the opposite? My, what a legalistic society we have become. Friends, may the Lord deliver us. Deliver us. Seven, the Adventists should hold leaders and educators and administrators and pastors accountable to a belief based on a literal understanding of the Bible. So in other words, friends, if you hear something from the pulpit, you need to not to be quiet but gentle, ask the pastor to explain it with the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. If you hear teachers and whatever, again, don't sit backwards and say, oh, it will affect my grade. Listen, don't worry about the consequences. If you do it in a nice, loving way, they can't fault you. Now, some people will fault you anyway, but do this. So here is the accountability of leadership. And if the leadership is, cannot be accountable, then in the next session, you can vote other leaders in. Very simple. And what we need is courage, courage among us. In first selected messages, 170, the spirit of prophecy warns us not to misinterpret the Bible, saying, take the scriptures as they read. Not spiritualize away those things. If you do that, you can remain a carnal mind and interpret the Bible no matter what you know. Let Scripture be its own interpreter. Reject the historical, critical, or higher critical methods of understanding the Bible as a deadly enemy of our theology and mission. In first selected messages, 17 and 18, 
The spirit of prophecy warned against criticizing the Bible. Cling to your Bible as it reads. Stop your criticism in regard to its validity. And obey the word and none of you will be lost. Now when I ask my class, how many think that there are mistakes in the Bible? I see many hands. When I went to the seminary 40 years later, you didn't see well, a few hands maybe, you know. But things have changed. Things have changed. What simply indicates it is that people have been exposed to lecturers that say, okay, here is a contrast and contrast. To me, the goal is to try to find a harmony. And if I don't find a harmony, I have a shelf in my mind. And I put a question there. And really over the 30 years, 40 years after the seminary, it's really amazing how many questions I could take off the shelf. I still have questions, but I'm patient because I know the millennium will reveal many. And remember, the word of God will be studied throughout eternity. Can you believe? Because there is a divine mind that's behind it. So I never will be able to explain everything because then I would be equal to God. So we need to be humble. Humble. And use what we understand. And the Lord will give us further insight. I use this with all my education. And I don't worry about it. To say to the students, I don't know. I don't know. Just wait. Pray about it. And I say, yeah, you always say pray about it. Yeah. What else? I like that. <laughs> what else? Go to that Bible with all the commentaries? No. Pray about it. Okay, accept the spirit of prophecy of one of the greatest gifts given to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. A gift just not for the past, but even more important for the future. It provides clear, inspired counsels to aid our application of Bible truth. It is a heaven-sent guide to instruct the church in how to carry out its mission and work among the mission field. It's a tremendous blessing, friends a reliable guide to our application of Bible truth. It's for today and until Christ comes. It is to be read, believed, applied, and promoted. Are you saying amen? Good. Praise the Lord. The mandate to go forward in lifting up Christ as his righteousness and proclaiming God's grace. Secondly, in presenting the three angels' messages in pleading for a revival and reformation, in following the Bible as it reads, in reading and adhering to the counsel of the spirit of prophecy, in proclaiming to the world the good news of salvation in the imminent second coming, and in lifting up the banner of public evangelism, and finally, integrating evangelism in every aspect of our life. Every aspect, whether you eat, drink, see, read, evangelism hallelujah what is the impact now oh friends if you would have seen that the audience in Atlanta in the church overwhelmingly enthusiastically positive but there were websites by several independent Adventist organizations and they said the session will be remembered for some clearly drawn lines in the sand and that's why it's right right Forward, not backwards. Finished, finished Adventism. 
forward. Secondly, it only took a few days for the church to regress 50 years. Go backward, not forward. To me, when I read it, and I heard the sermon of Elder Wilson, yes, we go backward to the pioneer experience, to capture that. Not 50 years, because that our church was not that good either in the 60s. And Brinsmeet and all these kind of things. <laughs> no, we go back to the pioneers and capture the vision and carry on and finish the work. Some are delighted with embrace of traditionalism, while others are alarmed. Let them be alarmed. We are not going backward anymore. Opposition and open rejection by some. And uh, even in some divisions, uh, and certain divisions openly voted against some of the things, but it was a small group. And uh, we need to help those people. Help those people. And every year, because I have, I do great controversy tours every year to Europe. Maybe some of you heard, have heard about it. And your church groups with them. And uh, if you want to have information, you can contact me. But there, every time when I go there, I have an audience. But I'm not yet invited by the headquarters. I'm invited by all the lay people. And the lay churches, you know, and I had a tremendous time. Hallelujah. But there is something against, you know, our fundamental Adventist experience that is not good, as according to them. But I think that this sermon has been greatly, in fact, in the country where I come in Holland, believe it or not, I received an email from one of the lay people. And they have now in January declared a day of fasting and prayer, actually a whole week, dealing with this, for the conversion of the leadership. <laughs> Interesting, you know, maybe this gives you some ideas, you know, where you work, but, uh, you know, we, our leaders need to be prayed for, you know, and some have special leaders that are fantastic, and other ones are leaders that haven't seen the light. And so when you go back there, you are the light, right? And so has the shaking begun? Is there a shaking taking place in 2010? What was the reaction to the truth proclaimed? Very positive for the majority as well as very negative for the minority. How should we deal with this today's situation? It's very important, it's critical. You know, how can you Face the shaking, even if you don't in your church, the only one in your church. How can you prevent not being shaken out? Because some of those are so subtle. And the Satan can get hold of one of your doubts and gain the victory. For the rest of the story. See the next session. Current challenges or how to prevent being shaken out. Amen. So we will see you back at 2 o'clock. But don't eat too much, otherwise it will cloud your mind. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your blessings that you have given us. The clear evidence in your leadership that you have see, shown during 2010. We praise you for the message of the General Conference President. And Father, may we keep in mind the application of those messages can be very painful at times. But we have to stand up for the truth, Father. And may our influence create a revival and a reformation, and the output of the letter rain in the letter in our lives. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you'd like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it. And keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.